Here's what Jesus said. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my load is light. But why are so many Christ followers exhausted and absolutely worn to a frazzle? Welcome, my friend, to Jesus Smart, the podcast. This is episode number 55. The conviction here is that Jesus knows how life works best now. The future is his, and it's starting to show up in the present. Today's special guests are Bill and Harriet Maurer, and I'm so excited to bring this dialogue to you. I know you're going to like what you hear. They carry a wealth of experience and wisdom for today's Christ followers. In that same statement of Jesus, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, there is a key. He says, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. There it is. Learn from me. But what should we be learning from Jesus? Listen, we live from the inside out. The fact is, our internals shape our externals. As we read in the Old Testament, it says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Today, we're discussing something very important. It's very foundational, soul care. And Bill and Harriet Maurer are so good on this. They're definitely practitioners. Even more, they lead others to come into what they are experiencing We can live a strong and fruitful life from a place of rest. So I think that what we're finding out in the body of Christ today is that there's a lot of weariness and fatigue and attrition and people just getting worn out after, I don't know, 7, 10, 15 years of walking with the Lord and attending church, it it seems to me. So we're going to be talking today about what it means to care for your soul, finish strong, and and carry through the different seasons of your career with following Jesus. I want to talk about that, Harriet and Bill, seeing ourselves as an apprentice of Christ, as a career. We have many careers in our lives, don't we? Like parallel careers, and, and this is one of them. So I'm really thrilled to be with Bill and Harriet Maurer, who have pastored for many years within the Foursquare Movement, they're now involved in retreats and life coaching, but I'm gonna let I'm gonna let them fill in some of the uh, background. Bill, tell us about your um, your education and your and your pastoral experience. First of all, thanks, Brian, for inviting oh, yes. us to have Thank this you. time of a conversation together about soul care, something very dear to our hearts, and uh, we appreciate your leadership in in the media, getting uh, topics out for people to interact with. Oh, well, thank so. you for taking time. And I, I, I know the listeners are going to benefit. Well, I hope so. We started out in ministry in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where we pastored a small church, got our feet, feet wet in ministry for a couple of years, and then went to the Quad Cities in uh, Illinois mm. uh, on the Mississippi River and was involved in a larger church with youth ministry. Okay. And uh, we were there for six years, and then we were invited to become a part of the faculty at uh, Life Pacific College, which then was called Life Bible College. Yes. And uh, that's we in California, were there five, right? Five years, yeah, in Los Angeles. 
And then we came to Amherst in 1983 and pastored for 26 years. Amherst, Ohio, which is about 30 miles west of Cleveland. So we're in the Great Lakes region. And uh, we actually have listeners internationally, you know. Uh, Great. We're in the Midwest in America. There's been a lot of people that have been impacted by your ministry, even just observing you from afar, your faithfulness and steadfastness, you know, your fidelity to Christ and to, and, and to the ministry of the gospel. So what is happening now? You're, you're no longer pastoring, but you're still very much involved in kingdom work. We got involved in doing some soul care retreats, mm. spearheaded by an experience that my wife Harriet had uh, going to a soul care retreat uh, in Michigan. And she should probably tell you about okay. that. Yeah. How do you define soul care, Harriet? What is the, what, what's the shorthand for soul care? Oh, how do I define it? Yeah. The definition. Is mean, soul care in the secular realm as well as the church world? Yes, definitely. It's, it seems to be, definitely. right? In fact, I think it was Dallas Willard who said, no, no, it wasn't. I think C.S. Lewis who said, um, <clears throat> you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. Okay. So it's seeing the soul as all-compassing of who a person is. It's, it's the essence of who we are. Exactly. It's more than your mind, will, and emotions. That's a part of it. But it's really this broader look at uh, who a person is, their gifts, their relationships, their understanding, their heart, the whole thing. Now the, now the Greeks had this idea, and the New Testament has this idea of spirit, soul, and body, right? Like three parts. It's my understanding that the Hebrews... The Hebraic understanding of the Old Testament is more of a holistic, integrated understanding of soul, which includes the body. Is, is that right? Yes. yes the, the total I life essence so. of, the, of the human being. Mm -hmm, exactly. And, and not so much categories or buckets, but like an integrated wholeness. Mm -hmm. So when we care for the soul, it's all of that. It's all of that. Were you at a place of fatigue or weariness when you came into your own personal quest right. for soul care? You know, it's interesting that I... I read a book by Ruth Haley Barton 11 years ago, okay. and it's called uh, Sacred Rhythms. Mm. And in that book, she identifies fresh ways of, of um, meeting with Christ and fresh ways of experiencing the Word of God. And I was so drawn to it that in the church at that time, I had for a month in the summer what we called the Summer School of Prayer. And we took those rhythms and uh, really had a great time. Then I had uh, retreats following those four weeks. So it was that fall that I attended a, um, a retreat that she did in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. And I found that after being there, in fact, that was my first time to enter into a four our silent time of silence and i thought to myself what in the that world that could induce some withdrawal symptoms in a lot of us i think <laughs> exactly <laughs> like on the floor shaking Me kind of withdrawal. Too. <laughs> i thought what in the world am i going to do for four hours <sighs> seemed like such a long time but see here's where she she helped us and she said if you take a nap go ahead and take a nap it wasn't that you do this do this or do that but it was an experience that you had where you 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 know let everything go and you had this heart to enjoy God. Okay. Bill, over the course of like pastoral ministry, what have you observed and, and even today with Christians, with Christ followers, is there a high level of fatigue and being worn out and, oh, definitely. and, and uh, burnout yeah. and Yeah, I think that's we're seeing more and more uh, books being written, more and more podcasts being uh, given on how to take care of your soul, your soul. And I remember when we first started this, or even before, 
we were contemplating our own retirement, we started reading books about, uh, actually about Sabbath. And I would just had a heart attack. Uh, this was like 15, 16, 17 years ago. And uh, <clears throat> so we began to evaluate our own ministry and understanding what, what, what's happening. And uh, we realized that uh, something had to change mm. in the way we spent our time, you know. And uh, so that kind of uh, started yeah. us on so, this. So as a leader at that time, like, what did your schedule look like? Can I ask? Well, what was the rhythm and cadence of your life like? Was it a, was it a drivenness, or you just didn't take enough time to? Well, there's a lot of your things. It, it, your schedule is full. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't always take time for a Sabbath, and we can get into that okay. later. Good. Even though we have quote unquote a Sabbath, <laughs> but that's when we work. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not a Sabbath. Yeah, is it? yeah. and. Uh, you know, pastors are known to not know how to keep the Sabbath because you were getting ready for Sunday and and then uh, we don't take the time necessary to really in, enjoy a time of rest. Yeah. And there's a lot that Scripture says about that that we've ignored. And what about the people in the body of Christ whom the pastor is leading? Are there similar challenges? Oh, sure. In yeah, their own I lives? think we live in a, a culture that is fast paced. Yeah. We talk about being in the fast lane, you know, and and that's where everything happens, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> that American drivenness yeah, in the American right. context, yeah. And, and, I think Europeans uh, are a little better at this than Americans, it seems, and probably yeah. other countries too. So it, it, that was one thing. Another thing that in evangelical circles, uh, the idea of sabbaticals was a foreign concept. Uh, our our uh, mainline churches had adopted those things okay. a little bit more than we had. Those would be extended yeah. times of pulling oh, yeah. away once in a right. while, every so many yeah. years. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and yet you know Jesus said that my yoke is easy, right? My burden is light. Come mm-hmm. to me, and, and uh, it's not hard. He said, and and yet we see this contrast of. Christ followers that it, it does seem very hard. <laughs> it seems very exhausting. Yeah, it can and, uh, be. It can be many times. And, and yeah. then Paul said, you know, when you speak about a leader like finishing well, Paul said, um, I, I finished the course, I've, I've, I've run, the, I fought the good fight. Mm-hmm. He really had that sense that of finishing strong and well. So many times because we're, we've been taught in previous generations that time is short, Jesus is coming soon, we've got to get the gospel around the world and so it's driven 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 and that still should be a motivation but we don't do that at the expense of our own soul so harriet um your, your own quest for soul care how did that unfold for you um mm-hmm. you obviously are now an advocate of it right <laughs> <laughs> i am and you know um brian when you mentioned about jesus saying with an easy yoke you have an easy yoke yes. and then but here's the thing also he said i'll teach you how to take a real rest and so there was something he said, about learn, learn from me, he said. yeah, there's yeah. something about how he lived life, and even when his disciples came back to him after being out right at the beginning of ministry with with Jesus, they said, "Oh, we we saw people healed, we saw them attracted to the kingdom, we had people um, say or saved and demons cast out," yeah. and he acted as though, "Well, that's good, but 
come with me. In other words, that wasn't his main event. His main event was, let's go away. And when they did, they found that the reason why he said, I'll show you how to take a real rest is because they went with him in the silence and solitude times. So when you think about the the standard of what Jesus had and what's helped me in my own soul quest has been noticing the difference between a good tired and a dangerous tired. And so the good tired can be after you've had some ministry that you've been you know, working hard with and working long hours, but you come back and you say, wow, that was great. And you have some time after it's over, so you're not jumping into something else right away. Okay. A and good so, tired and a bad tired, you and said. And a dangerous okay. tired. Dangerous yes. tired, okay. So the, the good tired is after you've had a, a day where you've done 15, 20 miles of bike riding. You come home and you're really, you're tired. But uh, it's a good tired. Or you've spent the day in the garden and it's a good tired. So the remedy is a good night's sleep. The remedy is going back to your Sabbath day and making sure that they're they're in sync with it. But here's the dangerous tired that I think Bill was talking about. The levels of exhaustion that accumulate over a longer period of time where we're just consistently living beyond our limits. And we think it's normal. (laughs) And so as we live beyond our limits, what happens is we function outside of our giftedness. Because when we have the good tires, usually we're in the realm of where we can really operate and the gifts God has for okay. us. But the dangerous part is where, wow. We, we, we try doing things that we're not meant to do or we're not gifted to do. Is that is that part of it? I think so. We overlap and we do it when other people, what other people could be doing. And we take on way too much. And it's not even paying attention to our exhaustion because exhaustion becomes a normal Rather than it like creeps up on you, doesn't it? It really you know, does. It becomes our new normal, and we don't even realize it really does. It doesn't feel like. And there's something about keeping all the balls in the air, right? Mm-hmm. And so, though when we can't keep them all in the air, there's we lose our discernment. I think of knowing what's wrong. I'm when I'm exhausted like that, I have no discernment. <laughs> I just keep going and adding. But when I have order to my life, and I have time when the when Jesus, you know, it's like, did he have time for that? He made time for it. It's not whether he had, because it was priority. And when I have those times, I found that the the gifts are a little keener, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. just flow better without my own ego. Aren't you enjoying this dialogue? I love what Bill and Harriet are saying. We don't have a soul. We are a soul a living, holistic, integrated human being created in God's image. And we're called, we're designed to take care of ourselves. They're drawing on years of walking with Christ and leading the church. We have to capture, recapture really, that Sabbath dynamic. The Creator has designed it into all things. So instead of accepting the new normal of exhaustion, We need to get back to the Christ normal. I'm calling it the Christ normal of rest and yet powerful living and kingdom contribution. You see, there's a difference between the normal, I'm putting that in air quotes, and what we could call the normal Christian life, what it's really meant to be. As we'll hear next, Jesus shows us the way. He is our gold standard for life and ministry. I mean, Jesus, you get the sense when you read the Gospels. I mean, how long was his ministry? Only 
was it only three to four years, right? Three and a half. Three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And you get the sense that his ministry was brisk. It was very productive and fruitful. It wasn't, you know, I mean, it was very intentional. Mm -hmm. And yet he's also pulling away for these times. And it's amazing what he accomplished in three and a half years. He, he, He mobilized the leadership team and just released it all to them. Sure. Within three and a half years, it's really yeah. stunning, actually. And I think it was when it seemed like he was at the peak of performance and the crowds were bigger and bigger and people were getting healed. And just like Harriet said there, demons were being cast. And that's when he said, let's let's go away now. And, and we would have said, wow, this is what we've been praying for. Let's keep going, you know. It's time for the book tour. It's yeah, time right. for Christian <laughs> TV appearance, right? <laughs> so... I think it's discerning when to to understand what I'm supposed to do and what God does. And when I start doing what God's supposed to do, then I'm in trouble. Yeah, didn't didn't Jesus say that I don't do anything on my own initiative? Yes. Right, yeah. I only do what I hear or see the Father doing, and I only right. even say what the Father. He was very uh, circumspect about that, wasn't he? Yes, the activity right. of the Father mm-hmm. flowing through him and right. the, the what he should be doing, what he should be saying, how much, when, when to stop, when mm-hmm. to pull back. And when we've had uh, leadership couples in our home, okay. six or eight uh, people, okay. three or four couples, six or eight young women, what happens is over those that weekend of time that those individuals experience something that they get a taste of and if they'll if they go back home and begin to incorporate it into their lives over the next three to six months many of them have been changed and they testify to that and and they change because they've learned how to slow down and listen which is the hardest thing for us to do we know how to to do Bible study, we know how to pray hard, but we don't do well at listening to what the Lord is saying. Uh, we think we know what He's already said, you know. Ah, and now it's I quite get an assumption busy. we make, isn't it? <laughs> I'm good at that. Yeah, I already know. You know, Brian, when I was <clears throat> with Ruth Haley Barton in Michigan, after it was over, I called Bill, and I said to him. This was an amazing retreat. I feel as though it's Christmas. I've opened so many presents in so many packages. And then this is what I said to him. I think I'm going to stay a few hours longer. Everybody had gone. I was the last one. And I said, I'm going to just go through all my notes, which I did. And then uh, I came home. And a week later, I went through them all again. And a week after that, because I said this to him, you know, how when people come to a retreat or they you go to a conference or whatever, we hear these words, that changed my life, right? And I'm, I usually say to them, oh, that's way too premature. Don't say that yet. It has the potential to change your life. And that's why, and I said to him that day in Michigan, I said, honey, I think this retreat has the potential to change my life. And so, so what was the key? It was the follow-up? It was the, the key. personal, intentional it was, follow-up? It was. Oh, and going it was over those having, notes. going over those notes and having times where I had 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour where I was just silent. And I think as leaders, too, we've talked about this, honey, sometimes, that, that, that sometimes we really put a lot of pressure on God. 
you know, that we're, we're praying and we ask him for this and ask him for that, that sometimes I thought, I think I'm putting pressure on him to do what pressure he wants God. to I've do. Never, that's interesting. I think I know what you mean. I've never heard it put that way. What, what do you mean? Well, How do we put pressure? <laughs> I mean, we're feeling pressure. We put pressure then on God. Yeah. And um, he's... Um, what he's he's kind of in a state of rest and calmness isn't he <laughs> he really <laughs> yes he is but sometimes here's the way i i would i would answer that and that is that if i had 20 minutes 30 minutes an hour to be with him and just to listen i would expect him to answer oh i can't wait to hear what he says when now i'm learning what if it's not so much what he says and he oftentimes does because he's a he's, he's a god who loves to do that what what if he's saying Harriet, why can't we just enjoy this time together? Yeah. Why do you always have to have me speak something to you? Why does this have to come alive in a new way to Why you? is it always problem solving? Yeah. God, right? We're always task oriented. <laughs> yeah. Could we not just... Crisis management, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Enjoy this time. And that's when I began to realize that I live in a hurried culture. Oh. I don't slow down. Our culture is so hurried. It's so stressed. How many times do we really go... The speed limit, frankly, is that how rare is that? Okay. To be, or even more so, to we don't be have to under get, it. Get, get oh under conviction goodness. now, do we here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're looking at the it's corner of your eye. It's always at five to ten margin above the speed limit, right? And, that, that's and when sort of that police car goes past you, what do you do? Oh, phew. <laughs> because you know you were guilty without even looking at the speed limit. But we live in a hurried culture. We do. And so to think that God is saying to us. In Isaiah 30, 15, I jotted this down for today because he says this, O God of peace, who has taught us that in returning and rest we shall be saved. In quietness and trust shall be our strength. Okay. But guess what they said? Mm, I don't think so. No, they didn't but want it. They were not willing. In so, returning and rest, Isaiah 30, 15, in, yeah. in returning and rest we shall be saved. In quietness and trust shall be our strength. That's right. What do I need to be saved from now? I need to be saved from a culture of hurry. I need to be saved from my selfishness that happens when I'm exhausted. I need to be saved from my jealousies. I need to be saved from my... There are always emotional trappings to being hurried. Mm. So when God says, if you would just return to rest, to quietness, to trust, yeah, those, those things, you will find a big difference in your oh, life. That is so, so good. I mean, the Quakers have this phrase, centering down. I'm not exactly sure what they mean, but I think I know what they mean. It, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's this, isn't it? It's quietness and strength, and it's like becoming focused on the indwelling Christ and just calming down and, yeah. and getting Well, there relaxed. are several key places in Scripture where God tells us to rest. I mean, he rested on the seventh day of creation. Yes. I mean, what an example. Yeah. He wasn't tired, but he rested. Yeah. And uh, and then Moses experienced God saying to you to him that he would go with him because he said, I'm not going up unless you go with me into the promised land. And and because and, uh, God was prepared to send an angel in his place because he was so upset with the people of Israel. And Moses says, no, I'm not going unless you go with me. And God says, I'll go with you, and I'll give you rest. And then Jesus, in the passage that Harriet was sharing with earlier, come unto me, all you that are weary in heaven, and I will give you rest. When Jesus said that, 
the Jews stood there in horror because they knew he was quoting the words of God from Exodus chapter 33. Because God had told Moses, mm. I will give you rest. Wow. I didn't so know that. He's quoting, Jesus he, he's quoting Yahweh quote, he's from Exodus. He's quote, quoting God. And so they're saying, Blasphemy. how could a human being yeah. say that? Yeah, know? yeah. He was claiming to be God. Yeah, as he was off, off, off to do, right? Yes, right. Yes. And then, you know, in Joshua's time, you know, he was trying to lead the people into the promised land. Yeah. And, and Hebrews says, there still remains a rest for the people of God. You know, and we haven't arrived yet. Yeah, Bill, what, what does it mean in, in Hebrews? It says, be diligent to enter into that rest. What, what does that mean? I, I think that's what we're trying to figure out with these retreats and these soul care uh, experiences. As we read the Gospels in the New Testament, we never get the sense that Jesus was hurried shoved around by circumstances and people. In fact, it seems to be the opposite. He showed us how to full-on engage in life and ministry and yet pull back at times a rhythm, a cadence that was a, we could call it a, a high leverage, powerful and fruitful lifestyle. You know, he actually enjoyed his life. His enemies accused him of being a glutton because he ate so much with people in their homes, enjoying life, and a, a wine bibber. It's amazing how much the scriptures talk about the precedent and pattern of rest. I mean, God gives us the precedent as early as Genesis day seven. All of this is ultimately fulfilled in Christ, just as all things are fulfilled in him. Listen to Harriet now talk about the strategic advantage of retreating. You know, we're in a war, right? Retreating is a key to staying in the fight and winning. And you're about to hear some practical ideas to help you care for yourself so you can fight the good fight and win. One of the things that we talk about of what it means, in the, and everybody who comes to the retreats know this in advance, okay. and that is, guess what? It's a no-phone weekend. Ooh, <laughs> no, that is a withdrawal right there. <laughs> it is. We. That's really true. We find oh. our addictions a lot when we walk when we go on retreat. So what I ask the girls is, you can check in. I say, give everybody, your family, your friends, my number. If there's an emergency, they can call me. And so otherwise, you won't be on your phones. But at nine o'clock, you can check in at night. <laughs> well. One gal came, and her name is Stacy, and she always says I could use her as an okay. example. Right. She said to me, even though she knew in advance, Harriet, I can't do that. And I said, well, you knew that before. She really pushed back. I barely knew her. And I said, well, Stacy, you knew that before you came. And she said, I know, and I knew I would have a problem with it because I have texts coming in all day long. And I said, well... Um, was that some high-powered job, or, 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 or was it <laughs> she's just a children's pastor. the lifestyle of, yeah. yeah. She's a children's pastor, so yeah, it's a big high-powered job, okay, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I said, well, Stacey, I'm, I'm going to stay with that. And I thought, oh, right away, why do we have to have conflict on the, on the texting? So at That's 9 o'clock, piece. she turned, everybody was still at my house before everybody went to bed, and, and she said, she checked her, her texting at uh, 9 o'clock p.m., and nobody had texted her. 
she thought her phone was broken. So she asked one of the other gals in the group, hey, could you text me? And her text came through. <laughs> this gal went through. That was a Sunday when they came. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they went home. Every night she checked. Every morning she checked. You're there were kidding. none. Absolutely none. That is no accident, is it? I the mean, there was... day I, it was over, was she checked. Yeah. yeah. And people started texting her. It wasn't that they texted her and they were just in cyberspace. Yeah. They didn't. And so... It was amazing. She said, that taught me so much that God said, Stacy, you can do it. Yes. <laughs> and I'm wow. helping you. So the addictions do oh, come Oh, the addictions. I mean, just that issue there, it, it, it really is something. The, the mobile use, we have to get, we have to get it right. Mm -hmm. Even the secular research that's coming out yeah, is saying, true. I mean, the, the, it's just outside the church. They're telling right. you lift up your head for your redemption, draw it nigh. You know, we're always looking down at our phones <laughs> constantly. Yeah. It bothers me. Yeah. It bothers me and my family, you know. Mm -hmm. I know that I try to use it more as a tool than as an entertainment thing, but still I get caught up in it too, the entertainment part of a oh, whatever, absolutely. YouTube. How many times do you go to lunch with somebody and their phone's on the table, you know, Yeah. <laughs> with the yeah, screen side we, up? We've just, <laughs> yes. Right. Well, here's an interesting okay. about the thing about the word retreat, and and we've we've misused it a lot. We say we have a women's retreat. We've done that, a men's retreat, okay. and whatever. But but generally, at those retreats, it's not a time to have solitude and silence, which is what a retreat really is. So there, perhaps I remember you you saying Brian a few minutes ago that you used to call them men's advance, <laughs> women's advance. Yeah, we just couldn't call them retreats because it was somehow seen as a, a weakness or, or going backwards or something. Right. Back in the day. And actually, I, I didn't realize this until recently that the word retreat is really a military word. Okay. And so when, when it's used in that, it's called strategic withdrawal. withdrawal. <laughs> and that is, it's a very wise tactic of the military leader to bring the troops back. They're, they're, they've been fighting too long. And it's an opportunity to rest them as well as tend to their wounds. Yeah. Some of the wounds weren't that severe, but they still were wounded. They were still bleeding. And they can start to tend to those wounds. And then it also can help yeah. them to step back and get a better view sure. of the enemy, a better view of uh, the, just the plan and the attack, and also a time to set up some new strategies. So I love that, that mm, a retreat can good. be this strategic withdrawal yeah. where we as believers can have the same type of reasoning to draw back for good reasons and to get strengthened for battle because we can grind it through for years and years and years and not know the woundedness uh, unless we withdraw yeah. and see where God can heal us. I mean, the us. idea is to stay in the fight, right? Yeah. And, and win. I mean, it's a war that we're in, really. But I, I know Dr. Jack Hayford has talked about, listen, when you're born again, you are born into a war. Kind of wake up and smell the coffee. I mean, and so, That's so yeah, this is, this is so important. That's so true. And so when you strategically withdraw, it's a place to be unhurried. And uh, there's a website I like. It's called Unhurried Living. Okay. And it's great. Their names are Fadling, F-A-D-L-I-N-G. And I've done a, a couple little... Um, classes with them on online. It sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Unhurried living, but uh, but he he does a lot of work in and helping us to know that how can I face this unhurried? I still have to do things, 
but how can I face this project, this meeting, this occasion, this yeah. whatever? How can I face it unhurried rather yeah. than rushed? What do we practically do? Do we use tools like Google Calendar or Trello or some kind of a good planner to actually block out times yeah. of concentrated work, concentrated attention, that these things we have to do, but then also mm -hmm. times to rest, times to pull away. Mm -hmm. uh, do you advocate it like on a, how, how does it look for you like on a weekly or, or daily and a weekly basis as well as like periodically going right. to a retreat, whether it's a corporate retreat or a personal retreat? Right. For me, I plan 20 minutes a day to be silent. Okay. And um, Is that in the morning for you? For me, it is. It didn't used to be uh, when I was working and had it. I, I wasn't able to do that. At that time, I probably did it three times a week. I just didn't do it every day. Now I'm able to do it, but I think I'm more, I understand more now to the benefits I miss when I don't. And there are times, you know, it's one of the rhythms is called centering prayer, where you just center on God and, and listen to his voice to see who he is to you today always based on scripture but there are there are times i know this little kid in in uh sydney australia he had two minutes of silence before jesus and he said jesus show me who you are and the lord said to him silas i am your claw and his mom said oh silas explain that to me what's a claw remember where the little machine is it has the claw that comes down to catch all the the stuffed yeah, animals. Yeah, yeah right, right. The little he prizes, said, yeah. I'm in there, and God's my claw. He came down, and he got me, and he took me out <laughs> from everybody else. So you see... In that carnival mess there, right? <laughs> <laughs> But whether it's a child or, or whatever, I remember one time when uh, the Lord, when the Lord said to me, I'm your passport. I can get you places that, that you couldn't get without my passport. Wow. I could have have you have an understanding of this, you know, of this meeting because I have a passport for you to enter into you know, that. And when he's your passport, so, all those people that look at that passport, there's no question about it, right? I mean, they just you 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 go through. You can get in. Yeah, you yeah, can get in. That's right. And you know, well, I don't think it's necessarily to places as much as I think it is to people's hearts. Mm. Sometimes God just you know will say, "I'll give you a passport into their heart." That's right. And so that you can understand them and and feel with them and understand, or maybe uh, a passport into an opportunity, right, or a, a project that sure. you're anticipating. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. So I, I listen 20 minutes a day and set my timer on my phone. So, so that's not Bible reading keep, so much. That's just that's quietness just listening. And, and, yeah, and, and really calming and down. And then I journal what I experienced with that time. And if I don't hear God say something, I just know you know the silence was good for me just to be with you. And so that's good. One time a month, I do a fasting day. It's the first Monday of the month. Okay. And on my calendar, I put a big heart. <laughs> and so I have that day set aside where I'm, I'm with Jesus. And I do more on that day. I look forward to it because it's, it's really the, the compassion that comes out of me in that day. And I just ask God to one give me. One day a month. One day fasting. a month. Fasting. Yeah. Food. Yeah. Media. Fasting media? Everything, yeah, everything. Fasting no. bill? <laughs> <laughs> well, we do it parts of it sometimes together. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's but you know what? It gives me a focus. I go over my whole calendar for that month that I know. And so I fast over the month. So, my friend, how are you doing with your cell phone? It just may be. 
be that nothing measures how we're doing with a lot of these issues, like our frenetic mobile phone use, right? There is power in what I like to call kingdom clustering. You're going to hear Bill talk about the priority of making disciples, not people who are dependers upon the church. He says it very quickly, but I really caught that phrase. The calling is to make disciples, not dependers upon the church, was the way he framed it. And what about that cluster of spiritual gifts you carry? Well, Jesus wants you to use them to benefit others in high-quality kingdom relationship settings. It makes me think of the psalmist's words, you know, like one one day in your courts is worth a thousand uh-huh. Ooh, elsewhere. I like that. You know? yeah. Such a high leverage time, isn't it? I like that. Yeah, it is. And do you periodically then go on more extended retreats with either groups or by yourself? By like myself. quarterly or annually? Or? I've, I've tried to do an annual retreat by myself. Okay. I'd love to do quarterly or, you know, twice a, twice you a year. actually go on a solo retreat. Solo retreat. To some cabin or some, alone. some yeah. place that's conducive yeah. to that. And I try to do it at the beginning of the year. And like a, a couple of times, kind of thing. Okay. I have been a couple of times I've done it in the summer. One time I went to a little cottage in uh, Amish country. And uh, as I was there for a couple of days, and I tried to do silence as well, so that I wasn't saying anything, I was just listening. And I remember picking a lot of wildflowers in this field and bringing them back. And that became the basis for a whole retreat that we did mm-hmm. with some women in our district. And it, everything was spelled out, and I didn't even expect it to be. Hmm. But it just happened because I was away. Another thing that happened on that particular retreat, I prayed for all of the, the executive team of Foursquare. And uh, so there are five people who, who form the executive team that we have, president and other, okay. other now ones. Now, you used to be, I don't know if we said this yet, a superintendent uh, within the Foursquare movement at one point. Was it eight states? It was. You led? Okay. So, yeah. And it was during that time, actually, when I had them on my heart more. So I, I prayed for them. And after I prayed for them, I, I prophesied over them in my journal. And I felt the Lord gave me passages. And I just had the best time because I had time. And I wasn't rushed. And it was amazing. And I, I spent this day praying for each one and, and just finding scriptures and all. And then it was my second day when I felt the Lord saying, why don't you send it to them? And I thought, oh, no, I don't want to send it to them. This was just for me. And and I, I sensed that God was saying, if you receive something like that, would it encourage you? Hmm. And I thought, oh, yeah, well, don't you think they could be encouraged? Yeah, sure. And so never expecting that. It's not something I would have done at home. I've never done it since. But on that occasion, I, I, I wrote it out and I sent it yeah. to them. Oh, yeah. wow. I'm sure that was a refreshing words for them. They appreciated yeah. it. Yeah. Bill, Jesus, he seemed to be intense at times. He was full-on engaged, obviously, in his work, in his ministry. And then he would pull back, right? Pull mm-hmm. away with his, with his little gang. <laughs> yes. His little group, really. A group of 12. I know you did some doctoral work in small groups, a doctor of ministry degree, how important is that to be connected with a small cluster like that as a matter of routine? Yeah, as as a pastor, my focus has always been discipleship. How can we lead people in the local church to be disciples? And it's not just attenders of church. Yeah. 
uh, but disciples who are growing. And was your emphasis more upon that than it was like serving up the main service of the week? Yes. I always felt that developing small groups in the local church and developing leaders to lead those groups was a part of bringing the, the, the message on Sunday down to every day of the week. Yeah. And uh, so that we begin to put it into practice through being accountable to one another through yes. uh, the interaction in small groups where you're sharing the, the nitty-gritty things that you're going through and, uh, and, and hearing what other people are going and praying for one another. And, and is that also an opportunity for like perhaps spiritual gifts to be in operation? Oh, absolutely. That context more so than like a corporate service? Yes. I, I believe the small group is an ideal place for yeah. um, spiritual gifts to function. And, and frankly, I think the spiritual gifts can function in the marketplace too. Don't get me going too much on that one. <laughs> Man, yeah, the marketplace ministry, if you will, that kind of a concept. So what if somebody is not connected with a small group? Maybe there's not a healthy small group within their church that they seem to, or maybe they don't even have small groups in their church. Mm-hmm. What can they do? Find another Just find another believer or two. or two. Or, uh, even if they're from a different church, perhaps? Yeah, a different community and just faith. meet on a weekly basis and yeah. share. Um, uh, we, we really have found uh, the, the uh, rhythm of Lectio Divina as uh, a yes. really important way to uh, do Bible study because it helps us to learn how to listen and then share what God said to us, you know, with one another. Lectio Divina, maybe you could comment on that. It's a practice that goes back to, is, is it the 4th century, 3rd or 4th century AD? Well, yeah, there's different uh, different views of when it actually started, okay. but it was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, basically it's uh, moving through, the, the, the Benedictines really developed it in the 6th century, oh, even though it got started even as early as the second century. But okay. the whole thing was <laughs> uh, read a passage of scripture, reflect on it, finding out where you fit into that passage, then respond to it uh, by forming a prayer or asking God a question about what you've just read. Okay. And then the fourth R is rest. And that's where you take time to listen. And then the fifth uh, R was resolved to, what, what are you going to do about it? And so that's, that's the basic outline for Lectio Divina. And it's a very intimate social or solo thing that you do, but then is there an opportunity to dialogue about, yes, about that with after you've done that individually, then you share what the Lord spoke to you. Yeah. And uh, it, it's amazing. We've done it for years now with a small group of men in the, in the church and... Uh, different size groups and it's 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 incredible how it strengthens and encourages and guys just they love it i don't want to be offensive because we're talking to a a pastor here a former pastor but why is it that i feel more energized when i come away from a small cluster like that than when i go to a church service I can actually come away from a church service feeling tired, <laughs> even if I'm doing nothing but yes, riding right. the pew. <laughs> um, I don't know. Is that a, it's just maybe it's sure. a personal thing? I need to see well, a counselor I, I or something. <laughs> the first thing that came into my mind when you asked that question was relationship. 
Okay. That's what we were created for. There's just an energy on in, those relationships. In, yeah. Yeah, there's a relationship with a pastor, but it's kind of performance oriented, you know, in a church service. And there's there's a place for that. It's important oh, yeah, because full, you need I leadership. I believe in that corporate word sure, and that corporate absolutely. worship experience. But yeah. you really get growth if you follow that up with yeah. sharing what God is saying in a relationship setting. Yeah. Because there has to be accountability. I've, um, you know, Jesus, he would teach in the temple to probably hundreds, if not thousands of people, you know, these large scale things. Then he had the 70, mm -hmm. then he had the 12, and then he had an inner circle of like Peter, James, and John, right? Three. Right. Is he demonstrating some kind of a template for us there of, yeah, of how we need to think about our, sure. our sort of our, our relational architecture sure. in the kingdom? Yeah, and I think the early church modeled that because they met in homes and uh, homes were not big and uh, but there was a multitude of those in any city and that formed the church of that city now they didn't have denominations back then but they yeah. all they all encouraged one another yeah they met together from house to house would you agree that there are some things in our personal lives and also in our lives together as a community of faith that will not be unlocked until we develop our relationships better. Sure. I, that's uh, what it, we it were takes the lid off for. in a sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just like in a, in a family, uh, there's the intimacy of a, of a husband and a wife and the children and the parents. And, and uh, that has its own unique culture. And, uh, but then there are families that, relate to each other and that's really the the foundation of a, of a church is is those kind of relationships I, I just think the holy spirit it seems like he's asking for us to develop on those horizons friend this dialogue goes further in part two of our time with bill and harriet mauer and there's a special guest cameo appearance in the restaurant. We just serendipitously pull someone aside and get them on the mic. And they really add some value to the conversation. You'll hear that next time. I'm beginning to think there's a lid over our lives until we can advance on some of these relational edges with others in the body of Christ. And I would say until we can really progressively come into that place of rest that we're called to enter. It's just the way that Jesus has designed things. Now, here's a question to think about. Maybe write this down in your journal and take some time, pray over it, think about it. Here's the question. What's waiting to show up in your life when you're rested enough to handle it? And here's another question. What new season a season, by the way, that you're de deeply longing for on the inside, whether or not you're real clear on it right now. But what new season can open up for you as you take care of your soul? The Lord can trust you and he'll release you into a new space, a new place, a new level. Two questions, which I think are very good. What's waiting to show up in your life when you're rested enough to handle it? And what new season can open up for you as you take care of your soul? You see, there just may be more on the line than we're aware of with this soul care issue.
Yes, Jesus is that great shepherd who cares for us, but we have a part to play in the process. This is episode number 55. What is the most popular of the 54 episodes to date in the lifespan of Jesus Martha podcast so far? I'm going to tell you, it's episode number nine with guess who? Harriet Maurer and Rebecca Tobar, her friend and ministry partner from Australia. That episode is called Ancient Futurist Lectio Divina for Kids. You heard about Lectio Divina in this episode from Bill. Ancient Futurist Lectio Divina for Kids. That's episode nine. I would encourage you to go back and catch that. And there's a follow-up to that conversation or a part two of that conversation in episode 10 as well. And if you'd like to take a bit of a deeper dive on this whole Lectio Divina topic, I encourage you to go to the Substance TV podcast, Substance TV podcast, iTunes, other major listening options. I co-host that with the man, the myth, and the legend, Mr. Jason Howard. Look up the episode with Pastor Josh Smith, Josh Smith, Lectio Divina. I'm not sure what numbers those episodes are. Just look it up when you get to it, and you're going to hear a pretty deep dive on this topic on this opportunity of building the Lectio Divina discipline or process with the Lord into your lives. Thanks, friend, for rating, reviewing, and following the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and other major listening options. It helps others discover that content to see if it's a good fit for them. Plus, of course, when you subscribe, it keeps you, it keeps you connected. Great things are on the way. If you want to learn and get ahead faster, Consider the Facebook group. It's a free online group. Just go to Facebook and search for Jesus Smart. It should pull it right up to the top. And there's links there to resources. You can submit questions. Uh, There's always something there to, to, I think, add some value into your life if you want to get smart in the Lord. Begin to apply and act on what you're learning. This helps us to get ahead faster and to learn more deeply. And another great thing we can do is begin to teach, which simply means to share. You can really lock it into your understanding as you begin to share what you're learning with others. It's actually a good idea in life to share and teach everything we know and everything we're discovering as we develop a real heart knowledge with the King, Jesus Christ. We love it when you leave a review on iTunes with your biggest takeaway for an episode or just a general review. Also, posting and sharing about the podcast on social media is a great help. Visit JesusSmart.com to see the show notes page for this specific episode. You can leave thoughts and questions there, comments, and you're going to find there some additional resources to dive deeper with this theme today of soul care. Plus, you can sign up to receive a free weekly email for next level ideas and practice to advance as a Christ follower. As always, with Jesus, our horizon is brilliant. Find your storyline in the royal narrative. Make it a smart week. All the best until next time.